Welcome to Pat Sherlock's podcast series, interviews with top mortgage sales leaders. Learn practical tips for improving sales management results. Let's get started. Hi, everyone. This is Pat Sherlock, and welcome to the podcast. Today's topic is a terrific one. How do you drive a loan originator to be top of mind in their marketplace? I think it's a terrific topic for this year and next year. I'm thrilled to have the famous Brian View, who is president of <laughs> is president of Finlocker, which is a consumer-enabled financial data platform, which he can talk about uh, when we speak. And then prior to that, Brian has been with Flagstar, IndyMac, and City. So hi, Brian. Hey, Pat. Thanks for having me. Well, I'm thrilled to have you here because you've been in so many different positions in mortgage banking, and now you're on to a fintech role, which I think is terrific. And so that leads me to the the first topic. So how did you get into mortgage banking, and how did you specifically get into managing? So how did I get into mortgage banking? Well, I, I, you know, back in the, in the late 80s and 90s, every college taught courses on uh, mortgage. So that was, you know, something that I, yeah, right. <laughs> like everybody else that you've talked to that you've asked that question, I got in accidentally. I, I got married in 91 and my father-in-law was, was self-employed. And uh, once I got married, he said, so what's the story here? Are you going to get uh, my daughter on your benefits? And I'm like, what are benefits? What are you talking about? And so I went out job hunting and uh, the prereq that I had was, you know, do you have benefits? And uh, I went to a mortgage company. I went to uh, an, an industrial uh, company and, and several others. And the, uh, the mortgage company was one of a handful that called me back, went in, uh, talked to them about the job, but I was more focused on the, the task at hand, which was getting benefits so I could get uh, my my wife, now wife, my, my father-in-law's daughter off of his benefit plan. So it was an accidental entrance in the business and it was 91. The prevailing par interest rate was like 12 and a half percent. And my first day on the job, I was handed a stack of, of callbacks and there was, you know, basically three data points on the, on each sheet. There was a, a name, a phone number and a number with a percentage after it. I had no idea what that number was, by the way, at that time. And uh, I had a script and the script just said, if we could lower your rate by 2%, are you interested? And if they said yes, I put that piece of paper on the right hand side. If they said no, I threw it in the garbage can. And that was that was my entrance into the business. So, Brian, how did you get into managing? Obviously, you started out as an originator. What, yeah. what was the next step? I wish I had a great story that, that talked about all this focus and learning and putting practical things into, into play. But much like how I got into the business, it was, it was a bit of luck. You know, I mentioned that the day I started in the business, the prevailing rate was whatever, 12.5%. And we were quoting like 10% or 10 and a half or something like that, you know, to, to, to streamline refinance consumers. Well, rates took a dive, you know, late early 92. And our little 10 person team grew to 50 people in like 90 days. And so I became one of the, the, the senior, <laughs> senior uh, salespeople by, by time, not age. Uh, on the job. And so I, I took a team and, and led a team for a year. And then that led into kind of leading uh, a, a bigger team that ultimately led in led into uh, running the uh, that division for Source One Mortgage, which then became Citibank or was bought by Citibank in the late 90s. So for me, it was being in the right place at the right time, certainly. Um, I think I showed some 
early leadership uh, tendencies. I didn't have, I didn't know I was being a leader. I was just kind of just acting normal, I guess. And, uh, and that, that was recognized and it put me into that first leadership position. I, I loved the coaching aspect of it. And so that just kind of took off from there. I, once 92 hit, I, I've been in a management slash leadership or coaching role ever since. Yeah, isn't that ironic when you think about it? But it leads me to the next question. What was your best advice that you got as a manager? To listen to people, and and I think it was it was my my first you know manager that I that I reported to there. Always took the time to to you know we we're a small team, but he always took the time to listen uh, and ask for feedback, and not not you know not pretend like you know all the answers. So being a being a young manager as I was, I was, you know, 24, 25 years old. I learned more from the people on my team than they learned from me. And I was, you know, I made that clear. I'm, I'm, I need you as much as you need me and we're going to learn together. So I think listening is, was the best advice I was given. And it was, it was demonstrated as well. Were there books that you would recommend that for the listeners were, were, were there anything like that, that would have been instrumental for you? Yeah, when I when I was a young manager, I I got my hand on every you know mm-hmm. book, you know, improvement book, management book you could get. The most influential book though that I ever read, and it was much later in my my career. In fact, it was in the last you know four to five years when I was still at Flagstar. Our CEO Sandro Danello talked about the book Good to Great by Jim Collins. You know, for the first few times that he he mentioned it, he would talk about points in there and he, he always he always centered on on two key points in that book one was get the right people in the right seats on the bus and if you don't have the right people and this is him speaking to the, the, the leadership team you got to get them off the bus not only for the good of the company and the good of the team but for the good of that individual and so getting the right people on the on the in the right seats is is a key point in the book and, and sandra was was you know, this is just the way he is. It, it's leading with humility and will. Um, it's the concept of level five leadership that Jim Collins talked about. And, and the at the more I listened to Sandro kind of talk about the direction of the company and, and how how we were kind of navigating, you know, kind of through through the business. But I watched him how he led, and, and I spent time in that book. It's it's a it's a book now that I refer to. It sits on my desk actually every day. I'm. There's probably not a week that goes by that I don't refer to it in our current business here. So I'd say, you know, if you haven't read Good to Great by Jim Collins, put it on the uh, must read list. Well, it certainly is a classic. That's for sure. It's up there with Peter Drucker and actually is also a big influence for myself. And that's why I went into a lot of the hiring side of it, because it's such a crucial component. So when you have to look at it, Brian, what was your greatest victory? Although you had many in your career, but what is it that stands out for you? This question, you you emailed me, I think, to kind of prepare me for that. I still can't think of like a single great victory. I would tell you that my, where I take the most pride is watching, and, and I go back to my my time at, at IndyMac. It was five years and it was cut way too short by the, by the crisis. But the team that we assembled in that five-year span was by far one of the most talented teams this industry's ever seen. And I look around the industry today and I see so many dozens, dozens of of our team members in very senior roles. Some own companies now, and so I would say my 
you know, I don't want to call it my greatest victory because it wasn't my victory, but uh, a team that I was on that was victorious and continues to win is the, the team that we built at IndyMac. So I, I take pride in being a small part of, of those folks and their success. And uh, you know, probably the biggest thing I miss it with the with uh, uh, the pandemic and not traveling is seeing those people at conferences. Well, they certainly were a great company and very innovative, I would have to say, because I remember being early involved with them when we were looking at doing a book on the best practices. IndyMac had a lot of great people. So on the flip side, what was the greatest lesson? Because you've been through good times and bad times. What What is the greatest lesson that you've learned? I learn lessons every day, just so you know. Sure. <laughs> Back in 99, our company, Source One Mortgage, was acquired by Citibank, uh, City Mortgage in St. Louis. And I was lucky or, or I was part of uh, the transition team. So I was identified as someone that was going to be in a leadership role with City. One of the senior executives, Jeff Pokinghorn, we were at dinner uh, one night and he, he basically said to me, he's like, Brian, the next six months is going to be terrible. You're going to have, you're, you know, I was here in Michigan, the, the city was in St. Louis. My peers, colleagues at Source One at the time, not all of them were going to transition over through the acquisition. And, and he said, look at, you're going to, you're going to have people, your, your colleagues at Source One, your, your teammates that you've, you know, kind of grown up in the business with for 10 years who are going to view you as a, a trader or, or kind of going against them. And he's like, all, you just have to keep your head down and know that, you know, you're part of this team. We see value in you and you got to just put that noise out. And so I, I think without that advice, I may have got caught in the circle and swirl that led to a, a lot of our, our, my, my colleagues back there, not kind of making it through that transition. So I, it was brutal, honest advice <laughs> and it, and it did come to light that, that, that happened in those six months were very tough, but I learned more about myself and about bringing teams together uh, during that time than I had ever done in any other part of my career. So I'd, I'd say that's that was probably my biggest lesson learned. Well, that's a lesson that really applies even today for sure. So let's talk about how to drive top originators uh, to be top of mind in their marketplace. Now you've seen everything from retail on to correspondent to third party. Uh, so what is it? What do you see that the best do, and and how do you do that? So I, you know, I think I love this question, and I think this question, especially today, is is very relevant. Uh, you know, a year ago, we we would be talking about kind of the air quote old school stuff that you do as a local originator in your market to be visible and 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 connect with referral sources. Well, you know, March of 2020 hit, and our all of our worlds changed and continue to change. And I think what I would say is being top of mind in your market is is not about it's not the old school, you know donuts and pencils and, 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 and in the office calling on real estate professionals and other referral sources. It's all about being digitally connected and being digitally relevant to consumers. Now more than ever, it's, it's important for originators. I don't care if you're in you know, a, a single owner operator of a mortgage brokerage or if you're part of a, a big team, your brand, your personal brand is what will differentiate you in the eyes of the consumer. And so it's finding ways to be digitally relevant. It's, it's leveraging 
you know, social media channels. It's, it's uh, finding uh, products that you can, you can promote to consumers that help drive your personal brand and, and the brand of your company. So I don't profess to have all the answers. I, I know that if I was in market and I was a loan originator today, I would be probably spending, you know, 75% of my time focusing on being digitally relevant in front of consumers. So, Brian, when you look at that, and just certainly the research that we've done, when you look at top producers versus others, they do have a strategy of continuous outreach. But more important, it's almost like they have a counseling approach to how they generate referral sources and customers. Uh, what is your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think it's it's not just being uh, visible on social media, it's adding value, right? right. And so I enjoy watching uh, short videos of, of different originators in different markets providing valuable information to consumers. And it's not always mortgage-centric. They're finding other valuable content that can help people in their lives. And people remember that. People remember people that help them. Don't just show up and throw up was the old the old line when you were, you know, sure. cold calling, but it's it's the same on social media. You can't just, you know, po- put a post out there and talk about your product, your service. You got to show value. You got to show people that you care. And once you provide that value, that's that's how you build your brand. And then it's then it's OK to talk about specifically how you can help people solve problems. One of the things that I've noticed, which I think is really a bad trend, and I'm really interested in your thoughts on it, is that I see that this responsibility at the loan officer level, obviously a lot of companies are generating the same marketing material that gets pushed out to through every loan officer's database. And the expectation is that this is going to have an impact when in fact of the matter is it's mass marketing and not something that's very personal and relevant. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, that that strategy, you know, ends up muting the message. And especially especially in cases where you have a, a cluster or a group of originators with the same company using the same, you know, CRM right. and the same content. So I, I think for originators that are listening to the podcast, you know, it's great that that you're with a company that's going to provide you with with technology tools and content, but you have to step up and on your own create your own content to promote your own brand while also and, and I'm going to say that you have, you have to do it in a very compliant manner, of course. Of course. Um, right. But you have to take ownership of your own personal brand. It's not it's not enough to just, you know, fly under the logo of the of the lender, the originator, the, the bank, the credit union. You you have to create your own unique uh, brand message and, and, and your own value. Well, I was interested in correlation with this thought is that I think what you're involved with now, I think very interesting where you are actually, Finlocker is all about reaching out to consumers in a much different way. And then that builds a relationship. Why don't you talk a little bit about that? Sure. And I appreciate that. We've built a consumer facing financial super app. And that's a mouthful. <laughs> and we built it in a manner that it, we're a B2B2C uh, platform. So we do not market directly to consumers. You'll never see Finlocker as a brand in front of consumers. It's always our client, the bank, the originator, the credit union, the, the broker even. So it's our client's logo 
it's it that's on our our platform and we provide them with this unique app we're also a mobile app so they can have a mobile app the value prop for the consumer it's it, there's there's several different value props not all focused on home and mortgage so consumers in this app can can monitor their credit get their credit report and get real time alerts uh, on their credit all again all of that's done inside the app they can enroll financial accounts and have a single pane of glass view of their entire financial life. So think about Mint.com as an example, as an app that is a you know personal financial management app. So Finlocker has many of the features and functionality you'd find in a Mint.com, in a Credit Karma, in a Nerd Wallet, in a Credit Sesame. We bring it all together into one app, again, under the logo of our client. So when we talk about adding value as, a, as an originator in, in creating a brand for yourself, partnering with, with somebody like Finlocker and using this technology in your marketplace with your consumers and your prospects gives you a unique position in that you're providing valuable technology to consumers, not just mortgage technology, but kind of a holistic financial app, if you will. And that, and that is unique and not every you know a lender and originator is gonna have that type of product. What it does is it, it keeps your logo front and center. I mean, when they download the app, it's your logo that's on their phone. And so as that app is engaging with that prospect or that consumer, telling them that, hey, your credit score changed or the value in your property went up or it went down. All those are individual unique touch points that the app has with the consumer that's happening underneath the logo of the lender or of the, of the lender and the originator. I think that's where our origination selling's going to. And I think that personalized current relevant information to an individual is where we need to be, not so much generic, everybody gets the same recipes. Every I mean, I think that's what marketing has really ended up being, which I guess is better than nothing strategy, but really doesn't reflect today's customer. What are your thoughts on that? 100% agree. It's this pandemic's really accelerated, you know, consumers going digital for consumption of, of content, whether it's news or just information or learning about products and services. And so if, if you're stuck in a rut and you're just pushing air quotes here, marketing content, you're going to get lost. You are, your message gets lost. And so it's find valuable technology partners that can help you differentiate yourself and at the same time add unique value to consumers. And there's, you know, Finlocker is one of many that are out there. And, and I would just say that is where this, this industry is going. I mean, you've seen, we see the ads on TV, push button, get mortgage, right? And they say they've got overall 10% market share in our industry and they're, they plan to grow and, and, and grow that share. And so if you're a, if you're an individual originator, you have to be able to compete with push button, get mortgage on some level. And so, you know, it's not just about the message and content, it's finding finding different tech stacks and, and tech partners that can help you compete in this environment going forward. Well, I think they're really great words of wisdom for sure. And we only have a few minutes left. What would you like to give as the takeaways for today's topic? Well, I think, you know, we're, it's hard to believe, but we're at the last day of November. So we're, we're going into the uh, ninth inning, as they say in baseball. Spend the month of December evaluating how you are going to differentiate yourself in your marketplace. And some people's marketplace is national, depending on, the, you know, the platform they're on. But let's just stay local for a moment. 
how are you going to differentiate yourself locally as that that trusted expert and it's again not just about content but you know what technology can you enable your consumers with that's going to positively differentiate you in the marketplace with that consumer and keep them from push button get mortgage right that's that's the uh, the uh, the goal here is to leverage technology with the local uh, expertise and the local knowledge of the the mortgage professional so I, I think it's uh, you know use December as a, a strong close of the year but also as a strong entry point in, into 2021. Well, I think they're great words of wisdom, and I certainly want to thank you, Brian, for sharing your thoughts. They were terrific. Subscribe to where you listen to your podcast and rate today's episodes. Go to patsherlock.com for our sales services and sign up for our weekly sales blog. Thank you, Brian. Thank you, Pat. I enjoyed this.